Know what it takes for you to be an influencer in your industry? A million followers? A million dollars? Hear stories from real-life influencers to discover what it truly takes to be an influencer. This is Influence That Innovates. Welcome everybody to Influence That Innovates. I'm Andrew Gabbert and I'm here with this week's influencer, Lizelle Van Vuren. Now before I go any further, I do need to say that the views and opinions of this week's influencer do not represent Joyco or the show. Welcome, Lizelle. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Lizelle is the founder of Women Who Start Up, and which is a, a massive community for female entrepreneurs. Sure, yes. And uh, she also is a serial entrepreneur herself, has been a part of many companies and, and products and just been very heavily involved in that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about where you've come from sure. and, and what you've done. Well, thanks for having me again. I have a bit of an eclectic background. Um, I come from all sorts of experiences since I was uh, rather young. So I'll abbreviate this, but um, I have a diverse background in, in education. So right out of high school, which I finished here in Colorado, uh, I was born and raised in South Africa and then moved here at 16, basically wrapped up high school in a couple of years here in Colorado and then went right to CU Boulder and studied uh, psychology and performance arts. After about a year studying at CU Boulder, it was large, it was kind of arbitrary, and I felt a little lost in this big sea. And so I took a year off, I worked odd jobs, and I kind of traveled the world. I had really crazy experiences. I was a professional DJ for a while. Uh, I've always loved music, and I never stopped playing good old school vinyl. And so I did fun, creative experiences, and uh, I highly recommend that to anyone at the age of 19. Um, or any age, truly, if they are a little bit lost. So I came back to Colorado, and I had lived in Boulder for some time uh, out of high school, and I never really was very familiar with Denver, Colorado. So when I finally got to know Denver, Colorado, it was one day when I just visited Denver for a day, and I was visiting the art museums. I was on 12th and Lincoln, and everyone knows that the Art Institute of Colorado is on 12th and Lincoln. I didn't. <laughs> but at the lobby level of this large eight-story building is a tiny little art gallery. And I thought I was walking into an art gallery. I did. And uh, three weeks later, I uh, kicked off my uh, creative degree there. And in three years' time, I finished a four-year program, Interactive Media Design. And that's where I really learned how to code. I learned to build websites uh, from the ground up. I mean, I actually literally learned HTML and CSS and JavaScript and, and all sorts of crazy languages. And um, like I could build a website like from nothing. And uh, so that was remarkable and really, really cool. Um, I learned all sorts of other things, uh, creative applications and um, how to look at the world from a design thinking point of view. I didn't know that was a term <laughs> at the time. And that's why I today I'm kind of thought of as a bit of a design thinker. I'm always thinking about human experience and user experience and design and branding and how to package and how to storytell and, and all that kind of stuff. So throughout my experience at the Art Institute of Colorado, I was one of very few people who were fortunate enough to get a paid internship midway through my education. And I did, and that's when I plugged in at 19 in a technology company uh, right here in the Denver Tech Center. And I started working as a graphic design intern, which transitioned to like a part-time marketer and, uh, and then eventually led to a nine-year career 
and I was a director of marketing and I worked on product development and taking products to market and I was an army of one for quite some time of that experience <laughs> and um, there was a lot of lessons in there. I'm sure, uh, keeping you busy. Yeah. yeah, and after nine years I had left the company at the end of 2011 and really, really plugged into the Colorado startup communities because I worked on my MBA while I was working full time, which I don't recommend to most people. <laughs> so I've always had a kind of a, an affinity for um, an appetite for doing more than what most people find a comfortable level of doing. But mm -hmm. I really don't recommend that for a lot of people. I didn't <laughs> sleep for four years and I think it uh, nearly killed me. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> no, it was really, really intense. So with that said, don't do that. Uh, with that said, I really plugged in because I was on my own. And being on your own means now you're uh, looking at networking and community and collaboration in, in another way. So January 2012, you know, I was a full-time professional entrepreneur, right? <laughs> I was running my own company. It was basically the thesis of my MBA. Um, and it was a service-based marketing uh, consulting company. And so for the next year or two, I worked with a lot of incredible SMBs, small to medium-sized businesses, and I helped them go to market. And it was very rewarding, but I also realized that um, I'm probably not the right person <laughs> to be in the service business, <laughs> um, even though I could be really good about helping companies more successfully take themselves to market. It just wasn't for me. So I had a decision like I'm either going to grow it and hire the right people and team members, or um, I was really looking again for whether it was taking a product to market or, or doing other very passion driven things. Alongside a lot of this, I started to really plug into the startup communities and I would show up to a lot of events, a lot of meetups, if you will. I started plugging into a lot of amazing groups. I started to meet a lot of great people from all sorts of organizations and walks of life. And one sidebar thing that was really becoming concrete is I was looking around the room for most of these experiences and I was like, well, where are the, all the other women? Where are all the other entrepreneurial minded women who love technology, who are plugging into technology, who are product oriented people or even service and creative and they're craving to, to be a part of entrepreneurship, if you will. And mm -hmm. so I wasn't evidently uh, the only one that thought that there's a real missing, you know, a large missing group to the overall. And um, I started with a couple of community friends. At the time I was the co-founder of Startup Denver. So I basically started what was called Startup Denver Female Entrepreneurs. And thankfully that transitioned into becoming what is today known as Women Who Startup. And so Women Who Startup, I founded and really came to be out of the second Denver Startup Week here in Denver, Colorado. And it's a long story, but I'll abbreviate this because it's kind of cool. So three weeks before Denver Startup Week 2013 is about to happen, my event, so I don't have, I don't have this organization yet. This amazing global platform doesn't exist yet, but I have this little event called Women in Tech. Three weeks before Denver Startup Week transpires, I get contacted by one of the organizers stating, Unfortunately, there's been a bit of a mix-up and you happen to have the exact same name as a very well-known organization. And uh, if anyone knows anything about gender studies and, and incredible data-driven things in regards to women in technology, everyone knows NCWIT. So the National Center for Women in Technology 
had an event that was called Women in Technology, and nobody took note until three weeks prior to Denver Startup Week. And so, long story short, in a couple of hours, I had to come up with a new name. And I coined Women Who Start Up. And it was a beautiful mistake, which I really uh, have an affinity to. I love it when things go really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And not to say that that was a, like this horrific experience, but um, a tiny thorn on my side uh, kind of squeezed out some super juice, and it was Women Who Start Up. And so nice. that event, for the first time without being anything, um, attracted, I want to say, maybe like 250 people yeah. attendance. Wow. Yeah, and uh, that was the kind of jumping off point for mm -hmm. women who start up. And so I've been working on women who start up for three years on the side. It's kind of like this long-term vision and investment of providing a community and collaboration and a platform of resources and a network for women who are entrepreneurial and innovative. It's really grown. It's uh, 2,000 members. That's, that's a lot of companies and a lot of cool things happening. Yeah. And it's going to just explode in 2016 because um, we're going to launch in hopefully 10 other cities by this time, meaning February 2017. And so we'll see if, if <laughs> come hell or high water, we can launch yeah. in that many other cities. Yeah. Within that's the, awesome. Yeah, thank you very much. So yeah, it's a, an ambitious undertaking to provide profound visibility towards putting women into the spotlight who are, um, I use a very metaphorical story for entrepreneurship, which is a climber and a mountain, a summit to be specific. And our monthly events are called base camps. And um, a lot of our entrepreneurs who are spotlighted during our campfire chats, if you will, during every month, have climbed a mountain of some profound scale and they come and they share their crazy <laughs> non-linear zigzag <laughs> mad and very rewarding experiences of entrepreneurship and we have a very eclectic range of people that we feature so very early on in their business startups and very experienced and everyone in between so women who start up has become this wonderful way that I have been able to learn as an entrepreneur, give back to the community as an entrepreneur, learn together while I'm trying to figure things out as an entrepreneur, and also to not do it alone. Because, yeah. you know, one thing I always note is, you know, community is nearly half of what makes us truly happy as human beings. And for the context of entrepreneurship, uh, loneliness is a, is a very scary and very real character in the story of entrepreneurship, right? And as trendy as being a startup founder and as trendy as entrepreneurship has become, it's very non-trendy, it's very non-sexy, and uh, there's a real uh, amount of profound hard work and a wholeheartedness of dedication and putting pretty much everything else on the side, mm -hmm. your loved ones and your family and your friends, and you're giving up a lot if you wanna do something for real. That community component of knowing that you have, I don't want to say a net to catch you when you have to fall back, but almost like the most profound feedback I do get from our members in our community is it's really hard, the day in, the day out, the grind, 
the building, the growing the teams, the fundraising nightmares, highs and lows. When I have to, I can just plug into the Women Who Startup community and know that people get the experience, they get me, and I can kind of just know that I'm in a good space where people can truly relate, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's been really powerful. So both today I, I run effectively, which is kind of now transitioned out of my first company, M-Spot. It's an idea lab, and we are working on one product that doesn't have a name yet, and it's an HR technology product, which is a marketplace, and um, I have a real affinity towards human behavior. I really crave figuring out what makes people truly happy, and I believe that the way that companies bring in people have been broken since day zero, but we've done it the same way for a very long time. And I love the idea and challenge that I could throw that on its back a little bit and uh, build another way for us to find great people who simply want to be matched up with opportunities for passion-driven work, but in a completely different way rather than just saying, oh, here's my resume. In retrospect, what if we just all were organically, you know, getting a good perspective of companies who need the type of talent and we're just matching them in a really yeah. profound way. And I can't talk about it too, too much in detail because, <laughs> you know, we're, it's so early um, and it, it, it really doesn't matter. But really tr going through all the trials and all the tribula tribulations of myself, finding the right co-founders and the right investment partners. And, you know, it's very, very, very early with this product concept and I'm building uh, what's called an MVP and, and a prototype, if you will, uh, in another in another word. And uh, it's up to me to make it nothing or make it something, which is always that beauty of the pressure required to yeah. perform and also the intimidation of, again, it's all on me. Yeah. Right. And then this beautiful thing called Women Who Start Up just seems to be taking a life of its own. And I have been, quite honestly, you know, struggling to figure out how to grow it beyond myself, which is always like the growing pains, mm -hmm. something that has truly taken on a life of its own. And I want to give it everything it requires which is actually me getting a bit out of the way, mm -hmm. building a team. And so I've applied for some impact, impact investment opportunities. So who knows if that transpires this year? Fingers crossed. <laughs> I, the, the planets were literally aligned a few weeks ago. So maybe that is in my best interest. Um, we shall see. And if that doesn't transpire, just continuing to build profound programs mm -hmm. and then eventually an actual application that engages uh, women who are entrepreneurial by nature and uh, innovators of all walks of life and all types of backgrounds. Uh, I don't care if you're a woman who code or you're an entrepreneur or you're the CMO or the COO. I mean, if you're building stuff out there, this community is there for you to plug in and stay sane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and knowledge share, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, there, man, there are so many things that I want to go into <laughs> uh, that we just don't have time for. So, uh, I want to get to my influencer questions. Please but, do. But first, I want to I want to ask you this. You said something very interesting that I that I really appreciate. Just now, you mentioned how women who start up may require you to step back a little bit and kind of step out of the way. And so, I think that's a really interesting idea because I think a true leader or a true influencer is someone who 
recognizes when they might be in the way of their own success or the success of whatever they're, whatever they're doing. And so I, I really like that you said that. It's not always our job to be front and center. Yeah. No matter what we're doing. Sometimes uh, you need to be, depending on what you're doing, and sometimes you don't need to be. We're being able to recognize those times and act accordingly. Yeah. I mean, thank you. <laughs> I get in the way of a lot of my own success. <laughs> when we chatted um, gradually uh, in preparation for this, I mentioned to you, you know, I believe that we have a much larger fear of success than we do a fear of failure. Because me personally, I'm not afraid to fail. But when it comes to, uh, you know, in context of women who start up, which is a platform for other people. Now, even if you launch a product, it's for other people mm -hmm. and you're solving a problem for them. The thing about community and a social enterprise, if you will, which has one objective and one sole goal, which is to improve people's lives by empowering them with knowledge and access and collaboration and role models and spotlighting their stories. It literally is to some people life-changing. Mm -hmm. Not my words, their words. Yeah. Not my words at all. I am an observer. I am a listener. I am paying attention. Women Who Startup is not about Lizelle's journey. Women Who Startup is about, sure, Lizelle starting this crazy little <laughs> summit climb together with thousands of others. But it really is about all these other people. It's about all these other mm -hmm. profound people. And so, yeah, I mean, I know what I'm great at. Like, I'm great at starting up. I'm great at going from zero to 100. And then I know that I have to find those people that help me and help the idea or the concept or the product or the service or whatever go from 100 to 1,000. Mm -hmm. And those are two different dynamics. A lot of people don't know that and a lot of people have to experience it for the first time or maybe several times in order to know when do I need to get out of the way? Where is that? A lot of times there's a lot of people who start something and then they try and figure out how to grow something and they get in the way. Mm -hmm. They get in the way. And besides, you know, to do anything profound, you do it beyond yourself. You do it with others. You do it with the right people that, one, staff your weaknesses, two, compliment you. <laughs> and I need a lot of that. Like, I'm great at a lot of things, but I'm really, really terrible at a lot of things, too. <laughs> you know, I'm not the most patient person on planet Earth. I need people who are patient. <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, you know I'm, I'm really, really dynamic at some things. And I'm just not at other things. And mm -hmm. that's okay. Like, yeah. it doesn't make me a good or a bad person. It doesn't make me terrible or, or lazy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make me anything. It just, you know, hopefully you get to the point one day, and I'm still working on this, it's a work in progress, like figuring out like, who are you? Like, <laughs> what are you really great at? And what are you really terrible at? And mm -hmm. what are you terrible at? Let's rephrase that and say, where are the gaps to staff my weaknesses, mm -hmm. you know? And then yeah. like finding great team members that says, oh my God, I love that gap. Let me fill that gap. And then you're like, hurrah, go yeah, for it, please yeah. run. <laughs> if I never have to deal with that again, I'll be happy. Otherwise, we kill our own stuff, you know. We just, we let it sizzle out and, and that sucks. And something like this is, I care about it so much, I would completely remove myself if it, if it was the right decision for it to be totally gl global and, and profound. Because again, you plant the seed, you water it, you nurture it, and it's ready to blossom.
And now who are your compadres or your team members or your collaborators or your co-conspirators or whatever <laughs> you want to call these other people that now want to harvest that. You know, they want to harvest that. I'm not that. I'm ready to plant the next seed, whether it's under the same umbrella or the next. So cool. Know what you're good at. Know, know what you suck at. Yeah. 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 Uh, my first influencer question. What does the term influencer mean to you? How do you define it? Defining influencer. Oof. I think we're influenced by everything. <laughs> I have a lot of sensory input. I, I'm what you call a hypersensitive person. So I, I'm really in tune with environments. I'm really in tune with human behavior. All these are points of influence or sensory points. But I have maybe a simple definition for influencer in context of other human beings. I think if you respect another human being, they have an opportunity to influence your thinking. Even maybe if you don't respect someone, maybe they too have an opportunity to influence your thinking. I think it's better received by someone you respect. So, you know, uh, you and I don't know each other very well, but you could pick up on something that I've, I've shared in our discussions and you could say, you know, an opportunity I see is blah, 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 blah. I could be open to receiving that information and go and consider it and kind of chew on it and talk to it about other people and, and then take that influence, right? That input and, and kind of take it to the bank and, okay, see if something sticks. But there's a lot of influence today. I mean, there are lots of applications that influence our behavior. Think about all the social channels that people are utilizing. There's a lot of media that are very influential. There's a lot of brands that are very influential. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who are very influential. So I think the context, like for a teenager in high school, they have different influencers than like for me, uh, who's a startup entrepreneur, you know, like maybe people who are doing things very successfully. I look at it as a, a point of influence, like, oh, okay, interesting. They're doing X, maybe I'll try X you know, see for myself if it works. It's a tough one to define, yeah. but I like points of input and I have few influencers, I suppose, because um, I am more of a learn by doing and with that comes a lot of mistakes mm -hmm. and that's okay too. Yeah. That's okay too. So it sounds like what you're saying is that there is no cookie cutter. This is what an influencer looks like. It's it varies. I can't imagine that uh, if you asked a hundred people beside myself that we ever, ever have the same response <laughs> about the question, like, what is yeah. an influencer? I think someone could say, like, well, I respect my mom and she's brilliant and um, she's definitely an influencer of mine. Like, that's true for me even. But I don't know if I just defined an influencer. <laughs> <laughs> I maybe just defined what I find influential to myself. Yeah, and, that's yeah. okay. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, sure. Okay, so the next question is, do you consider yourself an influencer? I guess. So when I have opportunities to speak to groups of people, I bring perspectives to help people just challenge their thinking. That's influential. And that's um, the change maker in me and the change agent in me, if you will. And God knows, I don't, I've never used that to define myself, but I just think of myself as someone that hopes to have a conversation with people when I have the opportunity to have a conversation with people to make them consider something else. I have had a lot of opportunities to change people's minds and perhaps that's also quantified as being an influencer. I don't know if others define me as an influencer. 
I don't think I'm some important person that <laughs> generates uh, a ton of influence, but I know the work that I do, even though sometimes it's not pretty, because I had an entrepreneur recently define success, and he's, he said, uh, success is really ugly and messy. <laughs> and I said, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. You'd think failure is ugly and messy. Oh, hell no. You know, it's like success is kind of ugly and messy. I don't get up in the morning and go, let's go, you influencer, you. <laughs> but I do get up in the morning and, and think of how can I further along the conversation in the context of the work that we do at Women Who Start Up to open up people's minds about diversity and about uh, all sorts of diversity, cultural, people of color, racial mayhem, uh, you know, just building strong human connections for us to kind of break down barriers and all types of thinkings and stupid notions that we have truly just learned and need to unlearn and relearn a new perspective. I mean, that's just trying to get people to change their minds. So is that a point of influence? Probably. So we talked about your past, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot has happened. A lot of cool stuff has happened in Thank your you. life, it sounds like. So yeah. I want to ask you how, and this is a super broad question, sure. but how has your past influenced your present and your future? What are some ways that it's helped you out? Yeah, I think without my past, personally, I don't have two parts. I don't have equally as much stuff that I struggle with, which hopefully inadvertently helps me to try and be a better person. I also don't have a good equal part of exceptional experiences that makes my point of view not the norm, which is maybe influential or maybe <laughs> not, but it's, it's mine. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't change a thing even though my life has been a whole lot of crazy colors and characters and experiences and learnings and ups and downs and highs and profound lows and everything in between mixed all into one life up until right now right mm -hmm. it was my birthday just yesterday and oh, so happy birthday thank you <laughs> and you know like every time my birthday hits i think about you've come another year you've learned another whole year's worth of things and hopefully you have a whole another year to apply right my past wasn't the norm i talked to a million people not necessarily uh, uh technically but i talked to so many people that makes me think that I, you know i did have a pretty unique upbringing and I, I did have unique experiences, but we all do. Like, mm -hmm. We all have unique upbringings and unique experiences. So I don't think of mine as like somehow more interesting or more profound than someone else. I think it is interesting because I've, I've done a lot of crazy things um, and had to do a lot of crazy things sometimes just to survive. Mm -hmm. But um, And I'm a kid from Africa, so I also have a, a very different type of childhood that not a lot of people have experienced. You know, I have experienced all sorts of things as a person, as a woman, as a white person, as uh, still a millennial, even though I'm on the cusp, uh, as someone that's African um, with, with Dutch heritage. I mean, like, we all have these unbelievably rich backgrounds and histories and upbringings. What makes me grateful today is that I know I've survived everything in my past and it has yet to kill me. Yeah. It has yet to put me down. <laughs> Even though there's been some of those experiences which you just feel like is backbreaking or just really heavy, you know? So that makes me today go, 
you know, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for all the good and all the bad. And my outlook always in that context zones in on you can do anything. You can do anything. You can, you've climbed so many mountains, you know, that you can go and climb whatever other summit you want to achieve. You just mm -hmm. have to set your mind and your heart to it. Yeah. And I think that's a part of my own journey and struggles and the highs and the lows and the, the successes and the failures that I, when I get in front of a room of people, I'm not telling someone else's story usually. I'm usually telling my own story and usually nine times out of 10, other human beings can just relate because you know, regardless of the, the details, there's a lot of similarities in, yeah. in this human experience, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, sitting here, I'm looking at this poster of Wizard of Oz, you know, <laughs> here we are, and we're like in Oz, you know, it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's a crazy experience, but I'm, I'm lucky to, I'm lucky to walk through it, this human experience. <laughs> it's highly recommended. <laughs> so my last question for you. Okay. I've been waiting for the right person to ask this. Yep. And I think it's you. Oh boy. Talk to me about the importance of action in the life of an influencer. I have a saying, life is about movement, business is about action. That's it. You can quantify anything and everything in life. If you want to sit still and be inactive, nothing will happen. Your body will literally die. If you do it in context of business, your business will fail. Everything about the human experience is about movement and action. So in context of your question of influence, influence is action. Yeah. Action is influence, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know how to take the two from one another. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's my answer, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I think this ties back to your your statement about the fear of success and the fear of failure. Yeah. A lot of times it holds people back. Yes. Yes. It is safer to sit here right now with the possibility of success and take no action mm -hmm. than it is how frightening it is to get up and take the first step until the thousandth, thousandth step mm -hmm. of action to figure out all the unknowns that comes with potential success, right? And it's highly unlikely. <laughs> Besides, if we look at the data, right, like nine out of 10 businesses are successful. So I have a far easier way as a human being to just say, you know what? I love my job. This is crazy talk, you know? Like, I don't know what this crazy thinking is. And, and that's, to me, ingrained fear of the unknown. And for a lot of times, starting a company and actually being successful is a, is a huge unknown for many of us in our experiences. But I would say in my metaphor as the entrepreneur being the climber and entrepreneurship being the journey from base camp or actually base of the mountain to base camp and then hopefully the summit is that you can be great just getting to base camp which could be attained in a lot of different scenarios. Maybe you tried something and and it changed and circumstances changed, life changed. That's okay, like go back, go find another mountain, climb to its base camp. Like that's still, that's still action, that's still learning, that's still growing, that's still a part of feeling really alive 
But there is a really big difference between being at that base of a mountain, metaphorically speaking, and thinking about what base camp and the summit may be like and becoming actually morbid about, well, the view can't be that good. I mean, who really <laughs> needs that view? Yeah. You know, the view from down here is just fine. And that's fine too. But, you know, how many times have smarter, wiser people, people told us, you know, live a life without regret? Well, unless you figure out if you like the view, right? Like, you're not going to know if it was worth it or not. Like, the success and the failure is just for you to define in your mind. If climbing the mountain, you know, that's a part of the success, you know. Now, if you are an entrepreneur and you're walking through trying to take an idea and fit it into a market and make it a, uh, a scalable and repeatable business model that drives revenue and, God knows, profit, hopefully, mm -hmm. then that's far beyond success, you know. That's like the journey itself was there was success in the journey. And if you make the business succeed, holy cannoli, then good on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I answered the question, but. Yeah, no, it's great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lizelle. This has, been, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. If you guys want more information on Women Who Start Up, you can look them up. Their website is? Womenwhostartup.co. .co, not .com. No, dot, just .co. Dot think co. company, think Colorado, uh, just .co. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you guys for listening. You guys have a great week. Thanks for listening to Influence That Innovates, brought to you by Joyco Productions. And don't forget, somebody's always watching. Don't waste it.